0: Assalamu alaikum wa, wa barakatuh, and welcome back to another episode of the Umraprinter Podcast. I'm so excited today to bring to you a kind and dear brother, Shuaib Hussein, who is CEO of Provision, a healthcare startup, as well as CEO of Hojez.co. And we're here to talk today about what really is Provision, what he does with his healthcare startup, what inspired him to start it, what are some lessons he learned along the way, as well as we're going to talk about some topics outside of his business specifically some topics about how to balance your life and your business, how to deal with burnout, and also how to make sure that you can maintain consistency in your business without necessarily going through this roller coaster of up and downs that so many entrepreneurs go through every single day. Shibe, assalamu alaikum. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Welcome, Wa you rahmatullah. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me and uh, love your show and uh, what you're doing. It's uh, really great. Thank you so much, Shibe, and I'm so happy to have you. So one of the things that I like to start with with every single guest is just get a little bit of background on their story because for our listeners as well, it's good to know the man behind the business, right? And so for you specifically, can you tell us more about what inspired you to start Provision, to start Hajjaj, to to have that entrepreneur itch that you have right now?
1: I would say that um, I come from a family of um, non-business people in a sense. Um, My father was a hard crafter, worked his job, always clocked in on time, clocked out on time. And that's all I saw my whole life. Um, mm. Despite obviously um, dabbling in uh, other things um, that, that he did do, um, I would say that uh, more or less my my, my friends that I was very close to, my older brother, who w- also had, had a vision for sort of business, um, made me realize that actually uh, business is something that can be looked at as well. Um, and I started thinking, the minute I start, started with a few things, um, I realized that I have a, a decent knack at it. Um, and then I it just went from there. It just turned into, I don't think, uh, there was a point in which I just realized I don't think I could work for anywhere
0: else. I just have to uh, <laughs> do my own what, thing. What point was that, do, you, do you if I ask? So were you already working at the time? Did you already graduate and you were kind of in the workforce? When was that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that there was a light moment where I kind of went, nope, this is it. Um, it was more the fact that um, every business I went into, I, every job I always did, I always tried to give it my 100 percent. So when I was I'm a pharmacist by profession. and when I was working in the pharmacy, I was always pointing out to the to the boss, you know, you can do this better, you can save money here, you can do this because I, since university is probably around about the time I started doing small scale side businesses um, and then it kind of turned into uh, when I was at work, I could just you could just spot straight away, mm, we could save money there, we can do this, you can make money through this route. And oftentimes, I was kind of uh, constantly faced with, oh, no, no, not not that they said it in these words, but it was more sort of, you know, can you stick to your role? Um, we know what we're doing with the business. And when I had a boss who kind of gave me free reign to do what I needed to do, I was able to just run with it and come out of my shell and really realize that, you know, I do, I do know what I'm talking about. and And, and that kind of Scared kind of place where you don't know whether you have the skill set or not, and then uh, turning into realizing actually I do have the skill set. I'm going to do this.
0: Amazing. And so, tell me about Provision. What inspired this idea of building this healthcare startup for you? Because you are a pharmacist, so I'm guessing you had an inside view into the industry and you saw a problem. What was the yeah. problem?
1: Yeah. So uh, it's actually quite interesting. So um, what Provision does and how I ended up uh, in there are, are two completely different things. So to come to the first part, of what what you said, which is why Provision Provision basically um, pharmacists in the UK um, another healthcare professionals professions such as uh, pharmacy technicians um, a- 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 other healthcare professions can provide a lot in primary care so this is when you go to your GP um, in primary care and you basically uh, you know you-, you need to get diagnosed you need to get referred whatever that is um, and when you're going to a general practitioner the current world view is that you need to go see a doctor um, Many people are now realizing that actually a pharmacist pharmacists have a lot of skills within that. And as part of my continued learning, and I'm always learning whether that's to do with the dean or whether that's to do with um you know my 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 profession, um I got this additional qualification, which kind of showed me, actually, I can work in in primary care and almost as a mini doctor, you could say. Um so at that point, I started doing um that kind of work, um, and I realized that we can we have a lot to provide on this front. At the moment, there's a lot of government initiatives to help um, other healthcare to get into primary care to take the um, load off GPs, and that's part of uh, what's happening with the NHS right now. You must have seen in the news, um, you know, uh,
0: pressures are huge on the NHS, and this is can... something in Canada as well. Like, uh, like emergency rooms are like 12 to 14 hour wait times. It's insane. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And some people will deny that there's a pandemic um, and just say, "Oh, everything's fine now." And clearly, there, there's something going on, isn't there? So yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So th- this is it. And with that kind of pressure, this is where we help. The, the doctors can focus on the, the more nuanced kind of um, queries which we can't deal with. And then we deal with the with the other queries which we can deal with. And we have our own competencies. And, and you know, you become a multidisciplinary team. And, and that's what inspired this. There's a massive need for it. Well, the minute we kind of enter into a doctor's surgery, they see the need for us straight away. And We've never
0: done any marketing. It's always been word of mouth. And um alhamdulillah, we are where we are. Amazing, mashallah. So tell me this, because with your experience as a pharmacist, you know, building a business is vast is a vastly different operation. And we have a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs, listeners to this podcast who have these ideas but they're not sure how to implement them. So for you, can you share with me a little bit more about kind of those initial stages going from idea to an actual startup?
1: I would say that. Um, when you listen to a lot of motivational speakers, and I think throughout this podcast, you're going to get a lot of hate uh, from me towards uh, motivational speakers. <laughs> <laughs> so be prepared for that. Um, but what what you'll find is a lot of motivational speakers will be just like, you know, go out there, get it, grab it by the horns, you know, do what you're going to do. That's, I, w- I would say that's completely false. Um, most people who do that then end up working, you know, working even harder because they feel they fell five years behind. Um, my, my advice to anybody who wants to sell their own business mirrors very closely, actually, it's just come to my mind, to what Jack Ma says about business. Jack Ma being Alibaba in um, mm-hmm. in China. Uh, so uh, Jack Ma has a has a, I'm not going to quote him directly because I don't listen to him religiously. <laughs> it's, just, it's something I remembered from a few years ago, so I might be totally out by by quoting him here. But the kind of gist of what he says is that uh, for the first 10 years of when you're doing business, um, so no, sorry, between 20 and 30, he says you should attach yourself to a boss and learn everything about a trade and become an expert and it doesn't matter whether you're working at a really great company whether that's you know facebook google or whatever just make sure that the boss you're working under that they are somebody who could teach you a lot Mm. that's that's very key and no motivational speaker because the books wouldn't sell no motivational speaker is going to tell you you know it's really boring you need to do 10 years of real boring work to kind of five years boring work just to understand the business well enough once you've got that understanding yeah then go ahead Then go into between thirty and forty. Give it a shot. You know, have your savings so I can fall back on those savings. Many businesses go down wide because people will spend money too fast. People will um, take money that they can't uh, in loans that they can't pay back, and then they then they can't end up doing anything. So that would be what I would say. That's the first thing. You know, don't just take what people are saying and just be inspired and say, "Yeah, I'm just going to go do it." Get that experience with provision. I worked in that industry for for years, and I understood it at every level before I went ahead and created my business. And that's why I was able to um,
0: have the accelerated growth uh, that we did end up having. Amazing, mashallah. You know, it's interesting that you talk about this because really where you're talking about even in business is doing the work. And a lot of people, you know, they want the glam of, you know, yes, the lifestyle, like the income. I want to, you know, the freedom that comes with it. But then... The boring part, which is, hey, I actually need to build the business. That means I need to build the social media profiles. I need to go and get the clients. I need to build the offer. I need to build the product or service, whatever I'm providing. I need to, you know, make sure that you know we test it, we validate it, we refine it. All of those stages that like you have to go through to get it to a point where you know it can sustain itself, those are the things that people sometimes forget about and don't want to do. And, I mean, you know, I'm, for you, yeah.
1: I'm, I'm, well, sorry, sorry to interrupt you there, but I oh, was just geez. to say how that nicely links to the Dean as well, where we have mm-hmm. a lot of um, celebrity speakers or people who are controversial speakers who will kind of do um, certain, uh, let's say, controversial social media posts just to get popular. Um, and, uh, you know, they'll do that just to get popular, and we will know their names and we will know who they are. But the scholars who have done the boring study for 10, 20 years, who have studied uh, Fiqh and akidah and uh, Hadith and uh, spent years in in the in in you know studying Bukhari, Muslim everything, years and years of studying this, they might they they have the real knowledge who can really give you that deep insight into the religion. But mm. the public speakers who we often see and we we get so attracted to uh, are sometimes the people who have not actually spent that time learning. So it kind of I think we're in a society where. That does happen everybody wants the glam but they don't want to put in the hard work to, to which kind of comes as a side effect is isn't the uh, desire desired uh, goal
0: what you're talking about and how i could summarize it for me is like going wide instead of going deep and and a lot of times what we what we do uh, right now is we go wide right we want to learn a little bit of everything we file for that shiny object syndrome instead of going deep into one thing and like putting in the hours to master it and you know This actually falls in line with one of the things that I talked about uh, that I wanted to bring up and that we talked about before the podcast, which is, you know, how sometimes, especially when you're, when you're in these initial stages, you can, you can get overwhelmed with all the things that you have to learn, all the things that you have to do. And ultimately that leads to cycles of burnout and cycles of, you know, kind of going through a roller coaster of up and down. And I know it's something that we talked about before the podcast told me that's something that you've been through as well and that you've been able to tackle so how do you feel like this relates to, you know, going through these burnout cycles when we're not clear on what we know where we need to go deep and where we need to go wide and having the ability to discern between the two?
1: Well, I'm I'm gonna um, do do what I warned you I'm gonna do just tell you, which is I'm gonna talk about motivational speakers again. Um sure. so What happens is you watch a lot of YouTube videos, like let's look let's look at how people get into business. You watch YouTube videos and I've seen them as well. I'm I watch YouTube just like everybody else, because I watch the same YouTube, uh, YouTube people that other people are watching. And they'll be telling you, you know, you have to wake up at 4 a.m. and you have to go to sleep at 10 p.m. and, you know, um, just grind and just go after it and just go crazy. And it's this hustle. And, you know, I did this and I did this and you have to just be out there all day. And, you know, I watch one YouTuber who was saying that he wakes up at 4 o'clock, he does his workout, and then he does this and he does that. He sees his wife and his daughter for like um, like maybe twenty minutes in the morning, and then he comes back at night at um, nine o'clock, and his daughter's asleep, and then he sees his wife for like half an hour. He checks the emails. Good. That's disgusting. Like, wow, how, how horrible of a life! Do you... What's the point of having money if you know you you're not going to see your own child dead? Right. Mm. Well, th- th- this kind of um, I don't know. Even, I I suspect they don't even do that themselves. I mm. suspect that that's probably the case. That these people probably say that they do that, but they don't actually do it. And and this is the kind of thing you get from motivational speakers. The other thing that you get from motivational speakers, and it nicely links into what we're talking about social media and what I was saying about the scholars in the dean as well, which is that motivational speakers will come out and they will talk about, I did this and I did this and I did this. and it's very narcissistic. And they'll talk about how what their achievements are and what they did right. And you'll get the feeling, I don't know whether you get this, uh, I get this a lot when, I'm watching, when I watch any sort of talk or podcast or anything with someone who's got success. They will talk about the success and how they did their hustle, and you'll leave with the feeling like this guy's such a genius. Wow, he did it right, and that's them selling their brand as as a genius. They won't tell you when they failed, and that's what you need to know. That's the, that's what you need to you need to know. How did you? Where did you fail? How did you overcome that failure? Because business is trying a thousand times of failing nine hundred ninety nine times, and and actually succeeding that one time. How did you deal with that failure nine hundred ninety nine times? And the kind of weakness that is promoted by, you know, you are special, you are you're something special and go do it because, you know, you're just the, the special person, and you'll be able to do it. That kind of fragility that comes with that, we kind of go do it, we break and then we don't know what to do. Like, well, I was listening to so-and-so uh, and he gave me motivation to go do this and I've gone and done it and it didn't work, you know, and they'll leave in depression and, and, and have problems and then what does uh, end up happening is, I mean, I always laugh about this thing, but there's a serious element to it. A lot of people go into depression. A lot of people. Um, I've had friends of my own, own personal experience where, um, you know, somebody took their life because they felt that they were a failure. You know, how how does that happen? How do you get to that place? And it's because, I, I, I suspect, it's because of this idea that everyone else is going out there on YouTube and all these people listening. Everyone else is just getting it. How come I can't do it? How come it's you're not talking to the vast majority of people who try business who have failed. Um, you're not talking to them about how they got back up and they, you know, got, got back into the 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 flow of things. And that's what I think is missing from from the entire message when people talk about business.
0: That's so, so true, Tribe. And and one thing that I, you know, it's interesting because I'll be completely transparent. Like I went through that phase last year. So I, I really truly went through a, a very difficult moment where I felt like and you know, it's interesting because you would think that I would I would know better having been an entrepreneur for almost a decade now, and I've already built and sold three businesses. But I think every time, the thing about entrepreneurship is no matter what goals you set, it's always going to take longer than you expect it to. And it's very rare that you're going to set a timeline you're going to achieve within that timeline. It's just not going to happen. And so sometimes like when you, we don't see the numbers that we want to see, the results that we want to see within the timeframe that we set for ourselves, and we re- we've really been giving it our all it's sometimes difficult for us to then go back and really recenter ourselves and that can lead to depression And i honestly uh, to be honest with you i over the last year for like a few weeks almost a month was really within that in that state where i just didn't feel like doing anything i didn't feel like talking to anyone i didn't feel like seeing anyone and i was really just down on myself and one of the words that I've set for myself to change that in 2023 is that I want to embody balance. How can I balance better my life with my business and really approach it in a different way? And what I've really come to understand on a personal level for me is, I think the biggest game changer is having that acceptance of, I have a timeline, I have a plan, and I'm sure you have a timeline, you have a plan, but ultimately the only plan that comes to fruition is Allah's plan, isn't it? And so trusting in that plan and knowing that, my job is to do my all and also balance those things with my connection to Allah, my connection to my family, the things I want to do. And if it if it happens and when it happens, that's great. And even if it doesn't, as long as I live my life in a way that I enjoy, that I feel like is a life well lived, I'm okay with that. Interesting to say that. It's
1: yeah. really deep insight, actually, because it, it, and, uh, the, I have the same thought. By the way, my thought actually, um, it's it's quite funny where you can find inspiration from. Um, an atheist, a very popular atheist, Alain de Botton, um, he has a TED talk, which I heard. And he actually, what you just said about that plan of Allah, uh, I don't think he was intending to give me this message, but it's what I took from it. And wh- what, what he says as part of that is he said that he talked about the reason why suicide rates are higher in the West compared to the East. So um, the way in which he basically approached this topic is he said, look, in the East, when something happens, when a misfortune happens, we, that uh, they will end up and say, um, that's the will of God. So as an atheist, he's, he, 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 he spotted this, that they will say, this is the will of God. This is God testing me. I will, um, uh, um, you know, go through this test. I will be patient with this test. It's all part of the plan. It's a misfortune. Whereas when the same thing happens in the West, in a general sense, um, you, you'll think I'm a loser because we believe in the West and I think it doesn't I think many Muslims will be guilty of this as well which is that we believe that any success is of our own making and any failure is of our own making with the with the writers of our own destiny whereas in the East where very much so you do get that feeling that um actually this is all written by God by Allah and therefore um any misfortune and any fortune is from Allah therefore I'm either thankful or I'm uh, or I'm, you know, bearing the patience, bearing uh, with patience. So this idea led him to say that atheists need. Uh, he didn't say he, they need God, but he might as well have said that. And it kind of for me, anyway, it opened up my eyes to say, "Wow, you know, an atheist can see the advantage of of that." And it, I think what what he said there, as an atheist, it's not it's not doing that. And you saying that there, what you just said as well about you know that um, about the fact that, you know, you, you realize that there's, I have a plan and then Allah has a plan. And then we kind of do that because when you feel that, you know, you're a loser and you feel that, oh, you know, everyone else got it. I haven't got it. I just can't seem to do it. And I'm the master of my own destiny. When you feel that, well, then the only way out is to just kill yourself, for example, right? That those type of negative thoughts can enter your psyche. And that's where, that's the danger, you know? Um, that's an extreme version of it. Other people will um, going to depression or going to other mental health issues. Whereas the people on this side are more likely to um, bear with it with patience and to actually just think, well, this is a test from Allah. It will go away. It will come through because, you know, I'm on a road. Allah has put me on a path and I'm just following that path and I'm, I'm going down it. So it's it's it's. I find it very um, funny in a sense that, you know, what you just said there, which is deeply uh, based on Iman, what you just mm-hmm. mentioned, is actually mentioned also by an atheist who has noticed the difference oh, Allah. in that as well. Yeah,
0: yeah we definitely have uh, the complete religion, subhanAllah, and alhamdulillah for Islam, right? And, you know, it really is, you know, when you talk about it that way, it really is, because when you're in that state, you don't feel like, it, it, it's interesting because you don't really know what you need to do, and you don't really feel like, oh, my, the issue is like my, like really having that complete tawakkul and that complete trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because... I mean, even for me, it's like Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, like I wasn't going through a phase where I was being a bad Muslim or any of those things, right? So I didn't feel like it was that was the issue, but it took me a few months to realize and kind of now we're, you know, kind of back on the horse again that, okay, really the issue is I really just have to have this complete and utter acceptance of all that is, right? And all that Allah Taala has written for me. And that doesn't mean... And one thing is, and I think this is my fear. I'm going to have an honest conversation with you now. As an entrepreneur, here's there's a small fear associated with that. And this is why a lot of us are hesitant to do this. People, especially who pursue success and are and are very active and goal-oriented. And those are entrepreneurs, right? One of the fears that are associated with having that total, like total complete acceptance is that this feeling is going to hinder your drive and your hunger, more pursuing success and pursuing the things that you can achieve. And for me, that is a fear that was always associated with it is if, and I think it's subconscious, it's nothing it's something that you're ever going to tell yourself consciously, like I've never in, put into words like, yes, my fear is this, that's why, but I feel like the reason why it's taken me so long to have that total acceptance until ta'ala was like, but beat it into me, like figuratively, you know, it's like, I had no choice, but to do it or else I just couldn't go on. Like my mental health was, was suffering is. The fear that if we do have and embody that acceptance, will we still have that hunger and that drive to pursue everything that we can be, and will we approach things with that same fire? And what's your opinion on that? And how can you? Is there a way to balance both? Can you overcome that?
1: Absolutely. I think that I think once we have that acceptance, I think that we pursue it in a healthy way. And um, a, a, as I said, when when we watch these motivation talks of you know wake up at two a.m. or three a.m. <laughs> or something stupid, you know stay awake the whole day and don't have family life. This is an unhealthy way to do it. The healthy way to do it is going to be with that balance, and 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 as part of that balance, I, I would say you know you, you were just talking about how, you know, your mental health took a took a hit when you you see your business go downhill and you think, whoa, what's happening? And it naturally is always going to have an effect on you. I had the same same issue only two years ago, uh, less than two years ago, in fact, as well. So with Hujaj, call, um, it's a travel based business, and then COVID hit, and I had just quit Um, because I had always done it as a part-time job, and i had always worked part-time in pharmacy to pay wages. And it had started paying, and it started paying to the extent that I could actually now quit pharmacy, and I could just go full-time with this. So, from December 2019, I was completely full-time with Hujaj.com. And, um, you know, things were going really, really well with Hujaj. I mean, everything was just slowing into place. Everything we did, Everything right. It's uh, myself and Theob. Uh, Theo is a friend of mine who's a proper entrepreneur. Who's, I, I say proper, you know, he, he's always been entrepreneuring, right. Um, and me and him were doing this business. So we keep each other in check all the time. Now, what was happening with that was we were doing everything right. And we were constantly seeing the positive feedback to that. But then in March, um, something happened completely out of our control, which is COVID and there was a complete lockdown. And even at that point, I was like, well, Hajj can't get canceled and he did. You know, only a uh, thousand people did Hajj, or uh, ten thousand people, right? Sorry, and um, you know that's 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 crazy. Like, how when have we even heard of that, right? And I have a passion, as uh, as you would know, um, I run exhibition Hajj. This has happened since the 1800s. So, how has Hajj gone down to this this tiny number of people doing Hajj? And we saw these images of Masjid Haram being empty at that point. Um, I realized that actually Hujaj.co is down now. Um, obviously, in the future, inshallah, I'll come back. But I realized everything that I've been spending all this time working on, all of my waking hours, everything, thinking about it, subconsciously thinking about it, almost in your sleep, everything I've been working on for all these years is finished. It's absolutely finished. Now, I'm not saying it's dead. Inshallah, will come back in the future. But at that time, mm-hmm. it was completely finished. There was no business. Yeah. So there I am in March 2020 with everything I've worked for, you know, my friends, my family, everybody know me as, as the guy who did to a judge.com and all of a sudden there I am sitting with absolutely nothing going from a business worth a fair amount to a business that's worth probably at that moment worth zero because nobody knew what's going to happen with Hajj. Then at that point, um, I spiral downwards myself because y- you do, it's so natural to attach, um, self-worth to your achievements. Mm. And so I found myself go downhill. Um, I then spoke to a friend of mine in uh, probably November and I said, I think I need to forget this dream of which I was to go. It's not gonna work right now. And as down I was and as my weight was going up and as, you know, you go into that mindset. And then all of a sudden I was like, you know, I need to I need to snap out of this. I I got myself a job working in primary primary care. And then and then from there slowly, slowly came back with that sort of positive mindset. And I think if I didn't have if I wasn't listening to the Drus and I wasn't contemplating on life um as as we do in Salah, I think things would have been a lot more difficult. And then that's where i got into primary healthcare and that's where I ended up with provision, which alhamdulillah now is a successful business. But you know, just just two years ago, you know, it just it kind of just it's very easy to go to go downhill and to have that kind of um,
0: moment where you attach so much to to something like that. It's had a lot and you know, you saying that for me, and, and this is the same thing that I've experienced in my life every time, is when you're saying that, like I can clearly see and what we, we, we talked a little bit about provision before the podcast and mashallah, like how successful it is right now. And if that had not happened, you would have never started provision right? Which now is a highly successful business, mashallah, and growing. And it's an amazing thing that you've done. And so sometimes we go through those moments and we don't understand why we're going through it and, and where Allah is guiding us. But then looking back, it's kind of like, you know, review like hindsight 2020. But when we're going through those moments, we sometimes fail to see the wisdom in it. And, and it's important for us to always accept the wisdom in it, no matter, no matter if, whether we see it or not because yeah. there is always wisdom in anything that we are going through. Um and you know it's interesting I was actually recently watching uh, uh the Rings of Power uh, with my wife. We're like super big huge Lord of the Rings fans. What did like, you think of it by the way because I loved it. I loved it, man. Like I don't understand the bad reviews. I absolutely I loved it. I thought it was bad great. And there's some so weird people yeah. out there. I know, man. I I thought it was absolutely great. And I I, I love Lord of the Rings series in general cuz I feel like there's always such great lessons in it. Mm-hmm. And and there was a conversation I don't, I don't know if you remember but it was between Gladrill and the little boy i forget his name now uh but he was essentially it was uh just to give people context i haven't watched the show it was a scene where essentially like his whole village burned down he didn't know if his mother was still alive and everything looked really bleak and dim for him you know at, at that moment and he asks he asks her and he says you know like essentially like there's there. what he says i don't remember word for it but it's that like There is nothing left to live for. Everything is going essentially down the drain. And, you know, the outlook is super dark and I don't understand why this is happening. And she essentially tells him like that. We have to trust in the fact that there is wisdom behind everything that happens. Right. And even though we might not see it now, there is wisdom and there is a bigger force at play. And then his reply is, I'm just, I'm having a lot of trouble seeing it right now. Right. And I just found that interaction so beautiful. And this is why I love Lord of the Rings because there's those moments like this. Yeah. Um, and I really connected it to Islam and how sometimes in those moments, like when you're in that moment and everything around you, you feel it's crumbling down, You, it's so hard to see the wisdom and why this is happening. But once you move forward past it, then even sometimes you'll never learn. You might go through your entire life, you might pass away, and you might still never know why that thing happened. But we have to have that total acceptance in Allah's plan. We have to have that total... You know, when you when you talk about Islam, Islam is surrender. Right? We have to surrender to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. And, and only then can we find true peace. And it's hard to do. Like I'm saying this right now. Like I'm not trying to preach. I have still not succeeded in doing this 100%. But it's important to at least know and try to achieve that. Inshallah in our Absolutely. lives. Absolutely. And I would say that, you know, for example, the story of Khidr alayhi
1: salam, um, salam mm. you know, which we read in Surah Ka'af every Friday, right? Um, that We we see in the story of uh, Khidr alayhi salam that when he when he caused damage to the boat um and allah ta'ala had made him do that because a pirate was going to come and take um, their boat hostage and by repairing their boat they the pirate would have passed and they would have carried on they don't know that they're not going to know that until the day of judgment and on the day of judgment allah ta'ala is going to show that to them the same thing with the with the uh, orphans whose the wall was built for or the mother and father who lost their child that mother and father will be shown their life if Allah had not intervened at that point. And then they will say, uh, you know, uh, read an explanation of this Where Then they will be shocked at how merciful Allah actually was by putting these adversities in our life. Because these, what we are viewing as something like an adversity is actually, you know, uh, something which is, um, is actually beneficial for us. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned Lord of the Rings. Um I, I you know, whenever I watch uh, or read the books or watch Lord of the Rings, the only thing I ever take from it is the kind of, you know, I I, I suspect he, there was a lot of, um, with J.R. Tolkien, I know that he did have a lot of uh, religious upbringing.
0: Yes. Yes. He was very religious. And a lot of it is based on like, you know, the religious texts and even the Bible as well in the story of Asa. And so there's a lot of parallels there. They're interesting. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And he was from Birmingham, by the way, just going to drop down there because really, he, I mean, necessarily, yeah. <laughs> the...
0: he
1: was down the road. <laughs> Amazing. So. Um, so yeah,
0: who's living in Middle Earth? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, New Zealand technically, but yeah, we'll accept it. I'll accept it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, when Frodo says,
1: "You know, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish I'd mm-hmm. never come to, you yeah. know." See, and he says, "You know, so do all who, who live to see such times. You have to do. Uh, you have to do with what you've been dealt with. You have to kind of go and do that. And I know I'm all not quoting Gandalf there, so any Lord of the Rings." fans <laughs> watching you really dislaw to me right now. Yeah. You, um you know, you have to do what you're going to do with what you're given. You can't decide what you're given. And and these interesting uh concepts are always present in anybody who's had deep thought. And for us anyway, um Alhamdulillah we have the Quran and we have the example of the Prophet his sira, where we where, you know, um in the rest of the world we kind of have, you know, people just seeing adversity and not knowing what to do with it. Whereas we we see in a in a holistic picture, because of the Quran shows us how to deal with the adversity. The Hadith time and time again talk about uh, how to overcome adversity, and this is something which you know if, if someone's having a hard time. Um, I would say, for for example, recently I, ca- I came across uh, something where somebody was giving an example of if you're um, if you're uh, if you're suffering from anxiety, as some of us often do when you, you know you got a lot of pressure on you. He said what you need to do is you need to take two sharp inhales. So like that and then slowly exhale, really slowly from your mouth. Just slowly exhale. And I, after hearing that, I was reading Quran and I thought, what do we do? So you go, you know, um, if Allah, he wa not Allah and not good See that sharp inhale, mm. and then we have a slow exhale, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the, the like, not only is it the Quran itself having that effect on you, but look at the breathing, which science now is showing us two sharp inhales and a slow exhale, or one sharp inhale and an exhale will actually fix your anxiety. Well, that's what we do when we're in Quran. When even in the mid ayah of ayatul kursi, like I just got, you do a. Wow. And then you slowly let out because you. the reason I gave the example was look how long I exhaled for when I was reading Allah, Allah, right? And and then the inhale was just, and then you carry on, right? So there's that. There's lots of research about um, other things as well. For example, humming is becoming a thing in in, in mental health um, recently as well where lots of people are looking at they're saying that if you listen to classical music or you listen to rhythms, then your mindset would be better than listening to, for example, other types of music um, so if you actually look at the research that that advice is based on it's based on research which suggests listening to something which changes in rhythm will actually uh, help and humming at the same time does that well, what's the Quran it's all it's rhythm well. and it's it's like that whenever you're, you're, you're stretching something yeah, yeah. alif la, 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 la. These, you, you listen to people who are humming and they're, they're doing very similar noises to that but they're not quite achieving it and we have it all packaged together for us and all we've got to do is take it and uh, awesome. oftentimes with yeah
0: that's so beautiful subhanallah thank you so much for sharing that i thought i really truly feel that was so such a beautiful thing to to share and such beautiful insights I, I want to ask you as we as we kind of wrap up this episode one thing that i want me myself to take away as well as the audience to take away from this conversation is for you specifically how do you balance your business and what you're doing along with your personal life and your family life is there is there anything that you can share with us in terms of strategies you found or some type some tips some type of insight into how we can better balance our lives so that we don't go through those phases of burnout
1: absolutely so um i'm i'm not going to claim that i have the balance correct at all and this is why i come back to my hate on motivational speakers because they will always give an answer. You you'll ask that same question from a motivational speaker and they'll give you an answer as if they have it. They don't have it. And we're all on a journey. We're all trying to figure it out. And the balance for, for, for me is focus on the five prayers. That's 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 my, my balance because the prayer kind of takes you out of what you're doing and it reminds you what's important. And then you go back into what you're doing. And if you focus on the prayer and you pray on time, then these are things which... Remind you of what's important, and when you do that, you you kind of remember, oh yeah, actually, it is important to tuck my kids in bed at night, and it is important to speak to them and be there for them, and and that's that's something that's really important. And what I will say is, what's important within that is when you look at social media, and you we we spoke about LinkedIn earlier and how I don't update it. Um, so LinkedIn or any social media platform for me, I used to be very active on social media. Facebook used to be my thing. I don't do it anymore because it's so fake. All you have is you share your own achievements. Then somebody looks at your achievement and says, why am I not doing anything well? And you look at other people's achievements and you think, wow, that person, you know, he ran 5K, you know, he's been a slob for 300 days and then, you know, 60 days he gets in shape and he puts it on. He's not going to put when he's eating pizzas and crisps, right? Nobody puts that on social media. Like, and I I put a joke up on social media once because I I noticed one day I'd there just this quite a few years ago. I was scrolling up and, up and up and up, scrolling, and and um, someone had written Subhanallah, I did this, and Subhanallah, I did that, or somebody was showing themselves doing charity, which I'm not saying, I'm not doubting anyone's intention or why anybody would do that. I've shown myself doing charity before, and I think it's if it's to encourage people. Fine, I'm talking about the general social media trap that we will fall into. And what was happening is I was scrolling up and scrolling up and scrolling up, and I I did a, a jokey post, which was, um, I said, you know, to balance. Uh, all of the social media posts out there. I just want to uh, say that I saw an old lady walking behind me in the supermarket. I didn't open the door for her. I didn't keep it open I to get to my car. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was like, what? <laughs> and and that's the thing. Social media is so fake. And uh, we sit on it and we waste time. And I'm again, I'm not coming at anybody from a place where, you know, I don't use social media. I do. And I waste a lot of time on it. No, I, I
0: agree, though. I agree, though.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's advice to myself before anyone else. And secondly, when you look at other people's life on lives on there, remember the Islamic advice, which is always look, the, the hadith of the Prophet look to those below you, ones above you. So when we look at the people who are less fortunate than us, then we become thankful for what we have. And al you know, we live in the West and we have a lot to be thankful for to compare to somebody else who might be in Syria or Palestine or somewhere else. So, you know, we have to look at these things and we have to take them in, 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 as they are and thank Allah for what where we are um, where we ought to be thankful of Allah than and to you know um, do away with these thoughts about, by being thankful and I think Sujud, the Ruqool, take your time with these things, these things uh, remind you of what you know of what is important.
0: No 100% and, and you know it's interesting talking about social media specifically I, I don't have, have a lot of time left but just to kind of touch upon that as well on my end I mean if it was it A lot of people, they ask me like, do you have a personal social media? I don't like, I only have the entrepreneur, Instagram, the Facebook and everything else. And it's managed by my team. I I create the content and then they, they, you know, they take care of the posting and replying and engaging with the comments, et cetera, et cetera, because it's actually something that I don't like spending my time on. And to be honest, if we could be in a time where I could grow my business and not have any social media whatsoever, I would do that. But it, it really is kind of like, especially for us entrepreneurs because I speak to so many entrepreneurs as well, like that we mentor and coach and they don't like social media as well. And it's like, Oh, I don't want to be posting on social media and sharing content. And I tell them, I know I understand, but that's just the reality of things right now. And you know, you can see the negative side of it, which is true. It can take away a lot of your time, a lot of your focus. And a lot of it is just, you know, the highlight reel of everyone. But at the same time, it is a tool that you can use to grow your business. And it's a tool that you can use to grow your business for free, which is something that you don't, you didn't necessarily have before. And so I think if we, if we approach it in the right way, which is, this is a tool for me to grow my business and I'm going to use it for that. And, and this is what I'm going to do with it. And I'm not going, I'm going to try my best not to use it as a consumer. So like as a mindless consumer, I think that would be key. I personally don't have any personal profiles where I post any part of my life. I don't like to do that. Like even I've gone, I've, I've talked to so many other entrepreneurs who are like, you know what, Abby, you should be posting a lot more like behind the scenes and like, you know, like the videos about your routine and stuff. And like I try, but it really doesn't come naturally to me. Like I don't want to pick up my phone and film what I'm doing. I just want to do it. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, subhanallah. It's kind of like this, balancing it, it, it out. Yeah,
1: absolutely. But there's people who it does come naturally. Naturally, yeah. And they might be very extroverted and they want to share that. That's fine. Yeah. Balance, like you're saying, you know, key. Like you've said, you know, balance mm-hmm. is the key here. Uh, is it? Is it consuming a life? And and as a in business, absolutely, it's a it's a free tool for for marketing. Absolutely, for, with Hujaj.co, we used. Content marketing, where we just pushed out so much free content that we were just the most well
0: known brand out there. And when it came to Tinkaj in the UK, so yeah, 100%. Is there something that we didn't talk about or something that didn't ask you today that I should have asked you, Shri? No, absolutely. I think we've had a really good conversation and um, I've I've enjoyed it, truly. Alhamdulillah. Well, the same for me, brother. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. And how can people connect with you and you know, uh, also with provision, who? Is your ideal client, maybe there's someone listening who can refer you guys uh, to someone who would be a good fit, if you can share that with us, inshallah.
1: Absolutely. So, I mean, with provision, um, as I said, word of mouth marketing has always done it because the doctors that we will be working with will always recommend it to other doctors within, you know, primary care networks. And, you know, that th- that's how it happens. If anybody, I mean, wants to follow on the, so I have a lot of passions. Um, business is just one of them. And Alhamdulillah, try one well and do well at it. But um, with the Islamic the history side of things, which I'm, we haven't spoken about my book, for example, or anything, but that's for another day. Um, so, for example, if you want to follow my personal um, social media, I would say that perhaps uh, my Instagram is probably the best way to, place to go to IG.shweb. So at IG.shweb, probably the okay. best way to do it. I have been thinking recently about doing a podcast called Burnout because when we speak of burnout. You can see how it's important, how important right. it is. So maybe in the future there'll be a podcast called Burnout, and
0: uh, maybe people can follow that as well. Inshallah, thank you so much, Shai, for joining. We'll make sure to drop your links in the episode notes, and so people can connect with you, look at your businesses as well, and work with you if that's something that is of it for them. JazakAllah Khairan for your time, and yeah. uh, hopefully we'll definitely bring you back for the uh, for a follow up conversation. Inshallah. Absolutely, wonderful, JazakAllah Khairan. Thanks for having me, Salamik. Wa alaikum salam. Wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.